Praise the Lord. It's good to see you all. And um, to thank God for how he has led us throughout last uh, year and usher us into a brand new year. And um, this year is going to be like the best so far to each and every one of us here and family represented. It shall be a year of good health, a year of prosperity, a year of spiritual development, even self and physical development, to mention but a few. And we are blessed to be part of today's um, gathering. So once again, I welcome each and every one of us. Shall we pray? Father, Lord, I thank you this morning once again. I join my brothers and my sisters to thank you for making it possible for us to gather here this morning. I thank you for how you've led us throughout last week. I thank you for what you are doing in our individual lives. I want to thank you, Father, for what you will continue to do. This morning, as we gather in your presence, we pray that you speak to us in the language you will understand. And blessed be your name. Amen. There is no better time to talk about discipline other than now. Because um, many of us have made um, New Year resolutions and it takes discipline to keep it. But um, when we talk about discipline, we reflect on our imperfections, how to deal with it. That is at the core of discipline. So this morning I want to speak on submitting to discipline. And I will take the text from Hebrew chapter 12. We read from 1 to 13. So Hebrew chapter, Hebrew, Hebrew chapter 12, 1 to 13. It says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every way and the sins which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endures the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endures such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. 
you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the fathers of spirit and life? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seems best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Amen? One writer said that at the root of disobedience lies indiscipline. And the spirit and level of disobedience, both in low and high places of our communities, mirror the extent of moral decadence as well as obvious absence of self-discipline among the people. So this morning we are going to look at the meaning of discipline, both in secular and the scriptural perspectives as well as why we must submit to discipline. By definition, discipline can be defined as the practice of making people obey rules or standard of behavior and correcting them if they do not. In some places they put punishing them. It also the quality of being able to behave and walk in a controlled way, which involves obeying particular rules and standards. So we are looking at two things here, two aspects of it. Number one, correcting us when we, when we got it wrong. That is discipline. And also our own behavior, the way we behave, the way we relate to each other, the way we parry ourselves, the way we speak, and the way we do things. So these are the two aspects. Then we look at it in the scripture. Discipline has a positive and essential place in the life of a believer. What is he saying? 
It's not just something like we can wish away. Every believer must have a disciplined life. There is a saying that the world we build inside is the world that we live in the outside. If we are not disciplined, it reflects, it reflects in the way we do things. It reflects in how we relate to each other. It reflects in every step we take. We cannot hide it. A disciplined life can also not be hidden. It is the life that we live inside. That is the life that we live outside. The one we build inside. That is the world that we live outside. And that's the world that the people sees us. And how the people relate to us as well. So discipline is very, very important. God has prescribed a way of life for his people. And they have to learn how to be obedient to his word and counseling. Therefore, the process by which the children of God learns obedience is through the discipline of the Lord. If you go with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Whoever sees it can read Deuteronomy chapter 11, 2 to 8. Deuteronomy chapter 11, from 2 to 8. Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, His Majesty, His mighty hand, His outstretched arm, the signs He performed, and the things He did in His heart of Egypt, both to Pharaoh king of Egypt and to his whole country, what he did to the Egyptian army, to its horses and chariots, how he overwhelmed them with the waters of the Red Sea as they were pursuing you, and how the Lord brought glass and ruin on them. It was not your children who saw what he did for you in the wilderness until you arrived at this place, and what he, what he did to Dahan and Abraham, sons of Eli and Rubenite, when the earth opened its mouth right in the middle of all Israel and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that belonged to them. But it was your own eyes that saw all these great things the Lord has done. Observe therefore all the commands I am giving you today, so that you may have the strength to go in take over the land that you are crossed, crossing the Jordan to possess. Praise the Lord. This passage is talking about love and obedience rewarded. That is the reward for obedience. Mention all the things that the Lord done in the, in, for the, the Israelites how he guided them, how he fought their battle and everything. 
just to remind them that it only takes discipline, obedience to his word. And that is still today, God has a lot in stock for us. As church, as individual, as community, as nations. But do we obey God? If we obey God, like I said in the beginning, we are not perfect and there is no, we are not even created to be perfect. The only person that is perfect is God. But when we obey and follow his instructions, he guides us, he made us perfect. He's the only one that can make us perfect. No other thing. We can't on our own. But we can only strive. And according to Holman's Bible Dictionary, discipline comes from a Latin word, disco, which means to learn or get to know. A direct kind of acquaintance with something or someone. It refers to a process by which one learns a way of life. As an example, a disciple can be likened to an apprentice who is learning a trade or a craft from a master. Such learning requires relationship between the master who has the knowledge and the learner who wishes to acquire that knowledge. Within this relationship, the master leads the learner through the process until the learner is able to perfect in the trade or the craft. Through praises and corrections, God led his people and the goal is to bring his people to a level of maturity where obedience is the rule rather than exception. Parents, pastors, judges, kings, prophets, and wise men work with God in teaching his people. And successful discipline results in life pleasing to God. Family is the closest and the best setting for discipline. Go with me back to uh, um, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6. Twenty and twenty-five. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse twenty and twenty-five. It says, "When your sons ask you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you?" Then you shall say to your sons. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. Then he brought us out, of, out there, that he might bring us 
to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these status, to fear the Lord our God for our good, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded. How do we, the, how do we train our children to be disciplined? It is impossible if we ourselves are not. It is hard to lay a lasting foundation when we don't have the tools. You must be first of all equipped in order to lay such foundation. And that is what this, uh, this passage is saying. When the children will ask you, what is it? Why are we, what is these commandments? What are we, these um, um, judgments and the, uh, the statutories? Why are we obeying them? What are what is this for? You have to have the knowledge to explain it to them. If you don't have that sense of history, if you don't have an idea what it's all about, you will not be able to convince them, you will not be able to, you know, equip them, and they will remain ignorant. And here is letting us understand that it is through our obedience that God blesses us. All these battles, all this love and everything that God is doing in our lives, he asks for nothing from us other than obedience. And we cannot obey God when we are not disciplined, especially in the scripture. So through praises and corrections, God leads his people. And the goal is to bring us to, his, to a level of maturity where obedience is the rule rather than exception. Jesus established a master and a learner relationship with his disciples. And as a result of his closeness with them, the disciples acquired knowledge. And such discipline involves praises and criticisms, affirmations and rebuke. It takes discipline to listen and it takes discipline to accept the assessment of people in relation to your life, who you are. And that's why Jesus made this ask this question, who do people say I am? And when they were looking at who they said this, that he said, Who you yourself that is close to me? Whom do you think I am? He asked that question and he was courageous enough to listen because he was expecting them to say even those that will criticize him, that will say that you are bad, you are this, you are that. But in the end, it takes discipline to have the courage even 
to listen to people criticize you, to listen to people tear you apart, to listen to people do things that is not okay for you uh, by you. But when we when we trust in God, when we put our trust in Christ, we will have all these things will come naturally. You won't even you won't even put much effort for that life, that life of discipline to manifest. Because it's not by your strength, not by your mind, but God's. So the success of Christ's mission depends on his training and teaching, teaching these small followers. And they carried on his work after his death and resurrections. And the disciples were his apprentices in the work which he came to do. Every well-meaning parent knows that discipline is not meant to destroy the life of a child. But for correction, the child initially might not know this. And discipline is important to any child that must be somebody tomorrow. Especially if he or she must be a man or woman of integrity. Discipline is very, very important. There is this saying, children, as they are growing, they are only looking for boundaries. They are looking for boundaries. That's why you see it, because they don't know anything. They don't know their right from their left, nothing. So when they took, took that right, the wrong step, that is why you are there as adults, as parents, to say, no, that's not the way. In love, this is the way. When they are drowning in the ocean of indiscipline, you are there to say, this is a helping hand. That is not the right place to be. This is the right place to be. And it takes discipline to do that. Because if you are not disciplined yourself, you won't be able to do that. So in verse 5 and 6 of our text, it declares, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord's discipline, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and punishes everyone he accepts as son. So it's not even a bad idea when you are disciplined. It's just like to acquire, to understand, to know the right step to take, to know the right place to be, to know the right groups to belong to, to know the right thing to do at the right time. The truth is that God has his watchful eyes over his children and will want to train them to get the best out of them. No matter how far we wander away from God, his eyes is all over us. He's watching us. And his helping hand is readily there for us, always. And why is it necessary that we must submit to discipline? 
Many of us can testify that when we were children, discipline was quite scary and painful. But today we know it helped us to imbibe the right values. I remember when we were growing up. You know, these days when, I, when we look at it, I have a brother, you know, it's just a, a brother. Each time we talk about our, you know, when we were young and all these things. Because in those days we look at our fathers very wicked. But he was strict. But to us, he was very, very wicked because we don't go out, we don't come back when we want. We don't do things we want to do at that time, you know. So he's always there to police us one way or the other. So to us, he was very wicked. But nowadays, when we reflect, I always see, if I must use this word, the stupidity of then, me, in those days. The stubbornness, the disobedient spirit that my dad, in those days, was grappling with. It was his responsibility. But today, I'm happy that there are so many things I cannot do. Not because I can't do it, but because I was told that it was wrong to do that. There are so many places I will not be because I was told that it was wrong to be in those such places. There is this game in those days, even today I don't know how to play it because my father don't like it. This, uh, I don't know if you know, it's draft. So this draft, my dad always say that it is for those that have already retired. It's not for the growing, the growing up. So you have to, and because of that, I don't even know how to play that game. Because each time, even for you to watch people do, uh, playing, you are in trouble. So what am I saying? Discipline is very, very important. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not near, no near, no way near perfection. None of us. But sometimes, you know, there are things that if you are told, it remains in your conscience. At some point, you, the, the spirit of God will not allow you to just keep on reminding you, this is wrong. Remember, this is wrong. You are not supposed to do that. And if we cannot inculcate this in the life of our children, in the life of our um, apprentices and uh, uh, disciples, we cannot get the result. We are talking about, when we talk about tomorrow, the future of the church, the future of every individual lies in the next generation. If you cannot lay the right foundation today, you will not reap tomorrow. If we strengthen the church today, inculcate in our youths the values that is required to take, it, to take this church to the next level, if we fail to do that today, we will not get to where we are supposed to be, 
or where we are destined to be. We might not be there, but they are the ones that will carry it on. Discipline is very, very important. The point is, as a believer, you must have a mindset of responsibility. You must submit to discipline, take responsibility for your mistakes, be cautious, knowing that punishment or correction is attached to certain behaviors. If you go to 1 Corinthians 11, 28 to 32. In his admonition to the Corinthians, Apostle Paul called the attention to the self-discipline, even in partaking of the Lord's Supper, so as not to attract judgment of God upon, upon themselves. In whatever you do or say, examine yourself to see if it is right and proper to do so. Paul said in verse 31, if we will judge ourselves, we should not be judged. In other words, we should strive to be above board at all times and in everything we do. We are not talking about Mr. Perfect. There is no Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect in this room. God set us under people in any system. Those above us represent or should represent God and can discipline us. That discipline is just to shape in us. Hence, a church can discipline her minister, elders, leaders, or members. Such discipline is not meant to end their ministry or calling, but to prune them. John 5, 1-2. Discipline is equally a test. When we submit to it, it shows we show remorse and as such receive forgiveness both from God and from man. The ability to correct oneself is the strongest pillar of a glorious destiny. If there is no discipline, both ministers and the lay people will live the way they like and go free. Then what will become of the church? Faithlessness and hypocrisy creeps in. Adam and Eve's sin of disobedience and faithlessness destroy the close relationship they had with God. You can see that in Genesis chapter 3 verse 24. Titus chapter 1, 15, 16 says, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient, somewhat less for any good deed. Adultery, corruption, and perversion of justice set in as were the sons of Eli. You can see that in 1 Samuel chapter 2, 12 to 18. Gossiping and backbiting becomes the norm. The children became rebellion and out of control. 
The youth may live immoral life, hooking to drugs and alcohol, getting pregnant and involved in all manners of crimes. Cheat in exam. God has standard, and the purpose of discipline is to maintain God's standard. The issue is, when you marry discipline, do not cover it up, nor try to dodge it. Face it, and it will produce a smile on your face tomorrow, rather than injury. Present discipline carries future benefits. Never defend your, never defend your error, like King Saul in 1 Samuel 15. It annoys God when we try to cover our errors. And when we try to maintain that we are right, when we are wrong, submit to discipline. It pleases God. Decide today not to do what will attract discipline. Father, Lord, I thank you for how you've led us. Thank you for your word that have gone forth. I pray that it shall be like a stream of water, a seed planted beside a stream of water, that it may bear fruit, to germinate and bear fruit. Blessed be your name. Thank you, ancient of days. As we thank you, as we gathered here this morning, as you've led us, we pray that you will continue to lead us. We commit